The Baltimore Ravens have plenty of possibilities of who their divisional round matchup will be after they come off of their wild card by week. Who are the best playoff matchups for them and who are some of the worst? All that and more coming up next here on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here, Kevin Allstriker, Ravens Wire, coming at you from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thanks so much for tuning in and making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available, all podcasting platforms that includes in video form on YouTube and audio form, wherever you get your shows as well. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by PrizePix, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNFL. Use code all lowercase LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Baltimore still in the middle of their bye week here, wild card weekend. They can relax a little bit and rest up for the divisional round here to talk about some of the best and worst playoff matchups for the Ravens. It's been about 84 years here between Spencer Schultz and I at 52 and the jumbo set. But of course, glad to have him back on here on this Taco Thursday. Not quite Taco Tuesday, but I, th- I think Taco Thursday makes up for it, Spencer. And this team is exciting in Baltimore, especially with the potential of them maybe going to the Super Bowl here and making some noise. Certainly is good to be back. And it has been a while, but during that period of time, the Ravens have gone through a lot and emerged as a one seed again for the second time in five years and have another opportunity to put the road through Baltimore and an inside track on the Super Bowl. So very exciting stuff, fun time to follow the Ravens, fun time to do content around the Ravens and fired up to be here with you with this bye week in mind. It's it's awesome. And I know that the Ravens are doing things a little differently this time around compared to 2019 practice. Feels like they have a game on Sunday, right? The, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I believe there's a stadium practice that's going to be involved there as well. So a little bit different, but the Ravens Spencer will have, they're not going to pick their opponent, but they do have a couple that is they're potentially going to come to MT Bank Stadium in the divisional round, and they can't mathematically play the Bills or the Chiefs or the AFC Championship. So you're looking at four, five, six, or seven, depending on how things go. Let's just start with the four or five. I think that's the one everybody wants to talk about because it's the potential of Joe Flacco beating the Texans and coming back to MT Bank Stadium. You have CJ Stroud, who obviously is a different player than what he was when the Texans played the Ravens in that first week of the season. Those two teams are really intriguing to me. When you look at some of the best playoff matchups for Baltimore, do you maybe look at Houston's inexperience with C.J. Stroud? Do you look at Joe Flacco, who's been playing great, but he's been turning the ball over a lot? How do you feel about those two? Yeah, and you mentioned that they can't play the Chiefs or the Bills, which I think is quite disappointing. It would have been nice if the Ravens could have somehow gone toe-to-toe with Allen and Mahomes in back-to-back weeks or vice versa. But with that matchup in mind, I think that What we've seen in the Lamar Jackson era and with Lamar Jackson on the Ravens in general is that in order to beat him, defense it's almost like Madden. Defensive coordinators will spam something. And we've seen the Titans, who loaded the box, ran a bunch of kind of inverted cover two in that divisional round game in Baltimore a couple years ago. We saw the Miami Dolphins a couple of years ago cover zero. 
and it worked. We've seen the Steelers really charge the mesh point over the years when the Ravens were a little bit more quarterback run heavy with Greg Roman and take the ball out of his hands, force running backs to beat them, try to get pressure on him. And in general, the Ravens have kind of, and it's true of any quarterback, but especially just the blitz as opposed to pressure maybe, but had a little bit of trouble in the Greg Roman years when defenses brought pressure, blitzed, and didn't quite have consistent, smooth answers. And so when I look at the Texans, I look at the Browns, and the other two possibilities would be the Dolphins and the Steelers. I think that the one unit in all of those possibilities, and really maybe out of the entire group, that could give the Ravens trouble, and they already play defense spamming, is the Browns' defense. I think that they might not give the Ravens trouble necessarily, but they can get stops. And we saw them get stops late in a game where I'll say of the Ravens three losses this season, well, four, I guess, but uh, three real losses this season that the Browns were the one team that beat the Ravens, that made plays, that broke tackles, that got stops, that were clean. And it didn't feel like, oh, the Colts game, John Harbaugh makes a mistake or, oh, the Steelers game, the Ravens beat themselves by dropping passes. No, the Browns in that fourth quarter, they do get a lucky pick six a little bit, but got to stop late and were able to drive down the field out of a second and 19 following a sack to Sean Watson in a very heroic effort, uh, something that not many people say about that particular individual. But he really was Herculean on that drive, breaking tackles, making tough throws. Amari Cooper makes big catches and the Browns beat them. So uh, does that have anything to do with Joe Flacco? Not really, but if you go to the drive before it, the Ravens had a chance to put the game away. It was much earlier in the season, especially after this Ravens team has faced the Niners and you know a Jags team that was leading the Rams, the Dolphins, all of those. But that Browns defense plays press man coverage. They don't disguise what they're doing in terms of coverage at all. They line up, they play man coverage or cover three out of it, and they punch you in the mouth. And I think... That is the way you have to try to get stops against the Ravens. If you play scared, Lamar Jackson has been so... What has made him MVP this year to me is that he has been so calm and cool and efficient when pressured. Not just when blitzed, which he has been good against, but when there has actually been a rusher in his face causing him to move, he has the highest yards per attempt in the NFL. He has the highest PFF grade in the NFL. He has the second highest completion percentage in the NFL and has just minced up defenses, extending plays when they think they have him dead to right. So I think that the Browns defense there is, especially among the Texans and the Browns, probably the scariest unit uh, in terms of giving the Ravens a real challenge. But at the same time, the Browns offense does have two backup tackles. They don't have, you know, Jerome Ford's a nice player. They don't have a Nick Chubb, uh, you know, Mari Cooper, David Njoku, and Joe Flacco. If you can't beat that in the playoffs, you don't deserve to play in a championship game. You don't deserve to go to a Super Bowl against a team that has so many injuries. And I think it's a credit to Kevin Stefanski, who uh, I think it should be 50-50. I'd probably give Stefanski my vote if I had one for coach of the year and what he's done. But can't ask for a better circumstance, even out of the two. I, I think it's going to be the Texans that win that game personally. But either one is a rookie quarterback coming back, and he doesn't have his top weapon on the road, or it is a team that is missing so many guys and those te the Texans and the Browns are about to claw each other's eyes out in that game. It is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be physical. It's going to be a drag-out, knockdown game. So uh, I think that, again, maybe of including the Chiefs and the Bills, the Browns defense might be the one unit that could give the Ravens a game and puts it in the fourth quarter and 
you know, has it be the the way a ball caroms off the ground or someone dropping a pass or a tipped ball that determines that outcome. So uh, I prefer personally, you know, you think back as a fan to the 2012-2013 Ravens, they played Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning in Denver, Tom Brady in New England, and then beat Colin Kaepernick, who if he played that full season very well, might've been, you know, an MVP candidate, if not MVP. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to play and win historic games and put up historic performances and leave an impression in your mark in the NFL. Yeah. And speaking of teams that are just injured right now, I think Miami has to take the cake here in terms of just how banged up and it seems like every week it's just another guy goes down. They lose Andrew Van Ginkle, who on top of Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips, the Dolphins signed what three edge rushers in one day, including Justin Houston, former Raven there, locked on Ravens legend, by the way. I know, I know we got to put that out there too, but they're just so beat up and they're traveling to Kansas city to play at Arrowhead. You talk about the Steelers too. TJ Watt isn't going to play in this game for Pittsburgh. And honestly, if I had to handpick an opponent for the Ravens, it very well probably is Pittsburgh to me. Do you think there's any shot the Dolphins can go into Arrowhead and beat Kansas City? Is there a shot that Steelers go into Orchard Park and beat Buffalo? Or do you think that it's pretty set in stone that the two and the three seed are going to advance here? Well, the Bills are 10-point favorites there, and they have a really nice defense. Their defense has been elite in the second half of the season. I think that Josh Allen gets too much flack for turnovers, where he also prevents sacks better than any quarterback in the NFL. He has a 10% pressure to sack rate which is a borderline historic figure. Uh, One out of 10 times he is pressured, he is sacked. So sacks are generally drive killers. Turnovers, of course, are literally drive killers. But I think that gets a little hyperbolic. And uh, Allen's, you know, if you go to PFF turnover-worthy plays, he has some bonehead plays, but most quarterbacks do. One, two a game, somewhere along there. So I think that the Bills do handle business. And the matchup is interesting. You mentioned the injuries on the defensive side of the ball for the Dolphins. The offensive side of the ball, I do believe that, and we'll see what happens with it, but it felt like Jalen Waddell's injury was viewed as, let's not risk anything. The playoffs are already locked up. Let's get him healthy for the playoffs. Because I don't know if it's been talked about enough how big of a issue it is when Jalen Waddell goes out of that offense. He is the only other ISO winner aside from Tyree Kill. You know, no disrespect to Cedric Wilson, who's a nice receiver and Uh, They've got a couple guys to make plays. They don't have some league-burning tight end. Durham Smythe can make a couple tough catches over the middle here and there, but no one's game planning for him. Uh, Mostert, a nice player, sure. Uh, A-Chain can do some crazy things, but Waddle balances out that pass game and makes defenses have to play a little more honestly, or he'll burn you. And Tyreek Hill, he opens up things for. He allows Tyreek Hill to be more weaponized and less of a kind of stationary player or a decoy. And we haven't seen Tyreek, who he's put up some numbers. Uh, we did see him also drop a couple passes. He had a lot going on in his personal life with what happened to his home and things like that. But even before that, dropped a big touchdown against the Ravens early in that game. So uh, has had a lot of pressure to perform, has fought through injuries himself. And that Dolphins unit, you know, did have Skylar Thompson in last year and go into Buffalo and almost beat the Bills. So anything is possible in the NFL playoffs, but... I think that we're going to see Isaiah Pacheco and that Chiefs run game really, really dial in on those outside linebackers. And the Dolphins are built to have a really stout, powerful, physical one-gap kind of front with Sealer and Wilkins. They had Phillips. They had Chubb. You mentioned Van Ginkle. 
Their back seven, aside from Jalen Ramsey, is a little bit more of a finesse group that plays with anticipation and speed and you know has really quick footwork. I think the Chiefs are going to be able to roll on them on the ground with Creed Humphrey and Joe Tooney and uh, their offensive line. So I, I do think that we will get the stock answers out of the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think that with those two teams, there's potential that either of them could come to Baltimore, but I'm, I'm still looking at that 4-5 matchup probably is the most likely opponent that will be coming to M&T Bank in the divisional round. Coming up, though, we'll be talking a bit more about if the Ravens should really be scared of anyone in this AFC conference or not. Stay tuned. Plenty to get to on Locked on Ravens. First, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And... There are some things during the new year, 2024 is now here, that maybe you want to keep the same about yourself, such as things where you're already crushing it. But for me, sometimes we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding what we're already doing, right? For example, I want to improve on my sleep schedule, but I've already improved it a little bit. And for me, I'm I'm actually kind of proud of myself for doing that. Maybe if I reorganize one part of your space, you want to tackle another, or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning. Now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can dish the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. And therapy has so many benefits to it from learning positive coping skills to how to set boundaries and can empower you to become the best version of yourself. And it's just for those who have experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with licensed therapists and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We're back on our second segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, you talked about the Bills a little bit, talked about the Chiefs. Now, assuming that the Ravens make it to the AFC Championship and one of those two teams in Kansas City and Buffalo make it there too, who do you think poses the bigger threat to the Ravens? Is it Buffalo or is it Kansas City in your opinion? I have been adamant all year that I think the best way to thoroughly break the Ravens defense is if they have you dead to rights, they scheme you to death and can sim pressure and get pressure. And like I just said in the last segment, Josh Allen doesn't get sacked. And if he can play a good game, which he does very often, that he can defy your scheme because he can break free from pressure. He can outrun you. He can elongate plays And not that Patrick Mahomes can't do that, which of course he can extremely well and is a very big threat. But I just believe that the talent that the Bills have offensively is a little bit of a better test for that Ravens defense because of the physicality and ability to extend plays of Josh Allen and to actually hurt you with his legs as opposed to by time. Um, I don't think that the Ravens are going to struggle with Mahomes quite as much. Can they manufacture drives, score 20 points? Sure. But... I don't think that the weapons that KC has, we'll see, you know, Rasheed Rice has been outstanding this year. Maybe Travis Kelsey can lick his wounds. I think a lot of people talk about his downfall this season. Uh, he had a bad injury early in the year. He had to miss time. He couldn't play in the season opener and is a little older. So takes a little longer to heal up, has been able to rest for a little bit and probably is trying to charge those batteries as much as he can. But ultimately between those two teams, I do think, you know, if I'm picking out of the entire field of the AFC, I mentioned the Browns defense as one unit that I think can get stops and maybe keep the Browns in a game. And then I think Josh Allen is probably the one 
offensive player and particularly quarterback that I think with what he has, they have a nice, okay. I think Khalil Shakir is a nice player. I think the, the chiefs would love to have him in his current state. Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox are both capable, uh, smart players. And then of course, Diggs, Gabe Davis at that point might be healthy. We'll see what's going on with his status, but uh, fine offensive line. James cook is a solid back. And again, I think that Josh Allen probably poses the biggest threat if I had to pick. And is that up for debate? Is that my opinion? Yes. I, I, if you want to say Mahomes, go for it. I'm not going to, you know, get upset with you, but I think that Allen is the one player that might be able to do some damage with his legs. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I actually, I asked Jake the same question, Jake Luke, who works over with Spencer at Exit 52 and in, in the jumbo set. And he said it was the Chiefs. And I said I was on to him because what I think is Jake wants to see Taylor Swift at MNT Bank. I, I think that's what Jake wants. He's a big Swifty. <laughs> well, he said there are, are other people in the Exit 52 cohort that also are big Swifties. Oh, he's just deflecting. Jake loves Taylor Swift. <laughs> I think the, the big storyline, like imagine you get the Flacco storyline in the division around and then Taylor Swift coming to M&T Bank in the championship. Like that would be story. NFL. Taylor Swift doesn't want to come to Baltimore. Let's <laughs> let's be honest here. She, she's not built for M&T Bank. Is that what you're saying? I don't think she is. <laughs> Man, storyline. Maybe, maybe when there. they have the Black Wing VIP go up with okay. the new renovations, then Man, she'll be a little. It's uh, going to be sick when that all comes out. I, I'm telling you. Lots of great nights at MNT coming up, but hopefully there'll be great nights here. But the question that everybody's asking, Spencer, it's about Joe. I mean, we have to talk about Joe Flacco here. For you personally, you talked about the Browns defense, but are you scared of Joe Flacco if he comes back? It, it makes it, like my reaction is to laugh. No, is the answer. <laughs> I think Flacco's had one really nice game against the Texans who didn't have John Grenard for. 94% of the snaps of that game. No Will Anderson. Uh, I think that Stefanski, like I said, has done a nice job. But I think after a physical game and coming to M&T Bank Stadium, the end of the day, Flacco came in midseason and is not going to be as on point as someone that was able to spend a training camp and an entire year with the team, if not more. And unless we have a, a hoity-toity crowd turn out at M&T Bank Stadium that uh, doesn't really like to stand up or yell or do any of those things, I think having to go probably silent count and play that defense is not going to bode well. And again, I mentioned previously what worked for the Browns when they were able to come into M&T Bank Stadium and win was a physicality that I think David Njoku, Jerome Ford, and really Deshaun Watson played with. And that's why I think, like I just said, Josh Allen is a threat because you have to break tackles against the Ravens. You have to punch them in the face and run them over or you will be going off the field. So I don't think, I, I just am not really scared of a non-mobile quarterback necessarily. Uh, Matthew Stafford had a wonderful game, throwing with anticipation against the Ravens, was able to beat their pressures, looks, by throwing some ridiculously early balls that hit guys in landmarks, uh, things like that. So January Joe, you know, he's a scary guy and, and hasn't been in the playoffs in quite some time. Uh, does have Amari Cooper there, but, I just don't think he has the recipe in terms of athleticism to go beat uh, such a stout Ravens secondary and back end and what the Ravens can do taking away the middle of the field there. And I just don't think that the Browns have the weapons on the outside to really uh, give a true test. But if the Browns were to come to Baltimore and let's say hypothetically win or give the Ravens a game, I think it's because of the other side of the football. I think it's because of the Browns defense, not Joe Flacco. Yeah, I'm with you, and I've been saying it. It's not Joe that scares me. It's, it's. I think, if there was a defense that could give the Ravens a couple of issues here and there, I'm looking at the Browns right now. So it's not necessarily about Joe Flacco for me. 
it, it is about the defense. But let's say, Spencer, you could handpick an opponent here. You, four, five, six, seven, Texans, Browns, Dolphins, Steelers. You could handpick the opponent for the divisional round. Who do you think Baltimore matches up best with? I mean, personally, I, I, again, I wish it was the Chiefs. I want to see the Chiefs come play a playoff game in Baltimore. But of the teams they can actually play in the divisional round, um, hard not to say the Steelers with Mason Rudolph and, and seeing what the Ravens were able to kind of claw into in that game when the Steelers had to win. Uh, don't think that they're just a unit right now, particularly without TJ Watt, that can make a lot of noise and would be able to survive, you know, Lamar Jackson, especially without TJ Watt. So uh, it's easy to pick the seven seed and easy to pick a team that eh, probably has the lowest odds of any to win the Super Bowl. Maybe the Packers have le lower, but I uh, think the the Steelers there. And then next I would probably go with the Dolphins again because I just don't think with all those outside linebackers out that they're going to be able to survive the Ravens' ground game. And with what the Ravens just did to them, I don't think they would be able to that quickly turn it around. We did see Joe Flacco turn it around against the Broncos team back in 2013, 2012, when the Broncos shellacked the Ravens at home a little like a month before the playoffs. And then the Ravens were able to go get business done, but just think there's too many injuries for them. Yeah. I'm with you. Health is so big at, at this time of year and people are beat up. And I think Baltimore, I mean, any team would take the bye week. I get, we can talk about 2019 and, and what happened there, but in my opinion, I think that, this rest is going to benefit, and you see teams you talked about. I think the Browns in, this, in the Texans game, that is going to be physical. Like I think that game, there might be an injury or two that comes out of that, unfortunately. Of course, we want to see everybody healthy, but we'll, we'll see what happens there. But coming up, we'll talk a bit more about Lamar Jackson and, and what he needs to do in the playoffs. Plus, that coaching carousel, it's been on fire. The Ravens have a couple of candidates that could potentially be on the move. Stay tuned for that. A lot to get to on Lockdown Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. And I know we come to sports to escape some of the crazy realities of real life. But can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's pretty scary stuff. And for me, I don't know if there is a more helpless feeling than if someone that I cared about got sick with a supply chain issue that kept them from life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, it'll be okay, though, because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics that treat long lists of bacterial illnesses like UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Specialjacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. We're back. Our final segment locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, one thing about Lamar and just kind of how defenses play him. You kind of talked about what some defenses have done and could do to stop him. But one interesting point about Lamar over the course of his career has been what happens when defenses blitz him and blitz him consistently. And I think you see with the weapons around him. I feel like it's almost impossible to blitz him now because one, I think his process has improved over the course of his career, his decision-making and that whole thing. But I think it's just so hard now because of the talent you have around him. So what's kind of your opinion on defenses trying to blitz Lamar and how effective or ineffective that is at this stage in his career? I think that we've seen the Ravens advance past that. And, you know, a lot of those issues I think were tied to the Ravens wanting to get to the line late and try and milk the clock constantly a lack of tempo, uh, a big carousel of orchestration rotating, you know, 
13 personnel to 11 personnel to 21 personnel to 11 personnel within drive. So I think that the Ravens uh, were a little bit too emphasized on trying to you know, make you play their game and beat them as opposed to bending to the opponent a little bit there. And now we've just seen Lamar put on a show. We, I mentioned some of the numbers in terms of what he's done when pressured and been able to get the ball out early and on time. I think that, you know, that buzzword spacing we talk about, Kurt Warner has been going bananas talking about that for quite some time. Uh, when blitz this year, Lamar Jackson has had a better turnover worthy play rate than any other situation when kept clean, when under pressure or when not blitzed. He has only put the ball in danger on 1.4% of throws, uh, eight touchdowns to two interceptions, and has just put on a clinic, really, uh, against the blitz there. So I think that he's been outstanding. His passer rating when blitz is 100.4. And you can just also see the calmness that he has. I think he's been able to identify it pre-snap as this. It felt like that the Ravens early on knew that they wanted to save up and peak now in the playoffs in late December like they did and roll through. And it felt like that the Ravens forced growth in uncomfortable situations at time, at times early in the season with their receiving crew. Uh, we, we saw them have some struggles, some kind of clunky games where Lamar looked a little bit better and maybe receivers weren't on the same page. But I think not taking the low-hanging fruit early has, you know, it's kind of saved the cherry for last where it feels like the Ravens have the energy, have the confidence and the diction to be able to beat pressure fronts And they also play a really advanced one. There is no more advanced front than Mike McDonald's sim pressures that in terms of giving different looks, different assignments. So much of what happens is making sure that the back is picking up the right guy, making sure that you're not getting confused by a front where you slide to the left and they bring three guys to the right and you only have two, three blockers on that side. So uh, the Ravens definitely give them, Mike McDonald's defense definitely gives them a really good test on paper in those concepts. Uh, We've seen them, Get drastic. They rotate Ronnie Stanley and Morgan Moses in and out of the game so that uh, you know, it feels like the, the opposing pass rushers can't really pick up on the fastball and then start teeing off on it a little bit more. So they take kind of a bullprint approach, a la the Tampa Bay Rays, and has been a successful strategy. So curious to see if they keep doing that. But above all else, it just feels like Lamar Jackson is invested and focused and locked in and wants this again and feels like he's in the right place. We've heard Marlon Humphrey speak about it. Um, you know, can you blame Lamar maybe for not being fully invested in, in as much as he could have been the last couple of years? Sure. It felt like there was that disconnect a little bit, just mentally and emotionally from why haven't they paid me yet? Is this going to be the place I stay? You know, what's going on with the coordinator, you know, all these injuries that go on, but it feels like all of that's gone. All of that's in the past. And, the Ravens have done enough to make sure that he has enough weapons this season to do what he has done and has certainly earned himself a second MVP before the age of 27 years old. He just turned 26. So the, the, the youngest two-time winner in NFL history uh, and doing it in a much different way, in my opinion, than he did it in 2019. So I think against the Blitz specifically, they have all the answers. They have the run game. They have the screen game. They have the ability to get the ball out quickly. And they also have guys that can just win one-on-one. If you're blitzing and you're playing man, you are playing man coverage, and that's what the Browns do. So that would be a heavyweight fight between those two units. The Browns have had a, I will say, historical defense this season, especially in terms of success rate allowed. You filter out some garbage time, and it's not quite as good, but uh, still a very good unit that does all of those things that the Ravens are supposed to be doing well. So it's the uh, the, the classic adage, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object there. So 
I think that's why that matchup would be fun between those two sides of the football. Yeah, I'd be excited personally if it happened. I, th- I think Lamar's 27 now, and I think I know that because I'm turning aging myself. I'm turning 26, and Lamar's a year older than me. There so we I go. Think- first, we're first to win it before turning 28, whatever yeah, it is. He's the youngest yeah. two-time. Regardless, winner. yes, regardless, very impressive. Regardless, and I'm, I'm excited for it because you're right. Lamar definitely wants this, and we see his energy. We see how locked in he is. But Spencer, with this coaching carousel, I think we got some. Got some craziness yesterday with Pete Carroll and, and that whole situation going on. Good, good opening. I think probably the most attractive, honestly, out of any opening there is, or at least one of them. But there are a couple Ravens assistants who have already gotten calls to interview Mike McDonald, Todd Munkin, Anthony Weaver. Where are some of those fits, do you feel like? If, if there's a chance that McDonald leaves, a chance that Munkin may go, maybe Weaver gets a head coaching or a defensive coordinator position, where could you picture them with those openings? Huh. I don't think that we're going to see Anthony Weaver get a job as a head coach, maybe as a a DC somewhere else. Uh, Of course, he is a strong in-house candidate along with uh, Wilson there, who the Ravens brought in from the Eagles uh, this past year for their defensive backs. And I don't think that we'll see Anthony Weaver get a job there. I do think one of the unfortunate parts of the Rooney rule is that guys kind of get yanked around when they are of a different ethnicity and then of Caucasian and end up Going into it, we saw we saw seen T Martin get interviews like that, and no disrespect to T Martin or anything like that, but feels like maybe filling a little bit of a check mark box than uh, than than some of those things. And Anthony Weaver very well may end up on that path. I just don't think he's quite there yet. So uh, not sure we'll see Weaver get a job. I do think Mike McDonald fit wise. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't think you know. You think he's a Massachusetts guy, so you think New England maybe. But it's hard if that's an opening to step in after Bill Belichick and be the the coach that steps in after Belichick. And maybe we see the Patriots go after a more veteran, experienced coach. Mike Vrabel is a connection there. So uh, that one's pretty tough. We'll see what goes on with the Saints. Uh, The Falcons, McDonald did go to the University of Georgia. And the Falcons have a nice core there. They they do have the very supportive ownership group and uh, do tend to give a long leash. So not that they're the most winning franchise ever. They don't have a lot of rings to show. But they are a relatively stable organization, I'd say, uh, and have had some success. Chargers-wise, I don't see them going for a young defensive coach after Brandon Staley. I think we're going to see them buy in offensively. Um, I'm not. It kind of is tough to to imagine. The Bears are sticking with uh, Mr. Eberflus there, and I don't know. I, I don't know that there's a fit that comes to mind. I don't think Mike McDonald would want to go coach the Carolina Panthers. Uh, be with Dave Tepper going from the Ravens to the Panthers. It's going to be a hard sell on that job. We already saw Ben Johnson decline an interview there. Um, so I don't know. It, it's hard to, to think of a good fit. I don't know that one comes to mind necessarily. Tennessee is going to need somebody. I think Todd Munkin's kind of gumption and his pizzazz and how he's a little bit beats to his own drum a little bit could, could maybe see that being an option with the Titans shifting from a defensive guy to an offensive guy. Uh, and Munkin, Someone that is a veteran is it kind of feels and you think of Dennis Allen in New Orleans, kind of a guy that is always a coordinator for the most part, gets a chance after Sean Payton to go prove his salt and has had the Saints, you know, fighting for the playoffs. Could see Todd Munkin being somewhat similar to the offensive version of an Allen in Tennessee, maybe. Um, I just don't know that there are any glove like fits that come to mind. Yeah. Would you if either of those guys were to leave Munkin or McDonald? Are you looking in-house? You don't really look outside the organization for that, or do you think that internal is probably the best route to go? 
Mm, I think on the offensive side of the football, it might be tough. Maybe you do give T. Martin a shot, who uh, has has really grown within this organization with Lamar Jackson, and, and maybe that's who Lamar would want. Um, I don't know that there would be another in-house candidate that comes to mind as an offensive coordinator. James Urban been there a while, but he hasn't really called plays a ton. Uh, maybe after so many years, and maybe he is waiting in the wings in some way. We can never be 100% sure. And on the other side of the ball, I do think with Weaver and uh, with Wilson and some of the staff they have, there's there's a solid shot that that would be an internal hire. We could also wait and see what happens with some of the staff that was at Michigan, like Jesse Minter and some of those guys too. So uh, I would probably go out-of-house hire on the offensive side of the football, and then I would go an in-house promotion on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. The multiple Ravens coaches definitely maybe could be getting opportunities but last thing here to wrap it up, Spencer, it seems like the vibes are there, the leadership and, and everything that kind of comes with a Super Bowl winning team. It, it feels more and more like it could be their season. Do you think that this is the year that Baltimore, you know, gets over the recent playoff demons and, and makes it to the Super Bowl and get, and get something done here? I think that the Ravens play in the AFC championship game at a minimum. I do think that they are going to get a flawed opponent and the Ravens are not a flawed team. They don't have a glaring issue schematically or in terms of personnel. They have good back-end play. They can hold up in coverage. They get pressure. They don't have a hole in the middle of the field with their safeties and their linebackers. Offensively, they run the ball about as well as anyone, if not better than anyone else in the league. They can hit you over top. Maybe not as consistently as some teams, but no one really is that consistent deep, especially without you know a Tyree kill. Uh, Lamar Jackson's good under pressure, good when blitzed, runs the ball, throws the ball, paints the porch, takes out the trash, does whatever you need him to do. So I uh, don't know that there is a matchup waiting for them that can take them out at home. And we saw that John Harbaugh said the Ravens will be having a stadium practice on Saturday and maybe a little bit of a simulated game. I would, I would think there's some competition level there to that degree, maybe not a simulated game, but, uh, something in that vein. So the Ravens invested in Roquan Smith, who I think has kept this entire locker room and team locked in. And that is why they paid him so much money because he is intense. And there is not this silly, goofy, big truss dancing, uh, Matt Judon dancing back and forth and Brandon Williams dancing in the locker room. I don't think any of those things are happening. I think this team is about as serious as death. And you hear Cam Newton on his show and his content he's doing now talk about Lamar Jackson getting interviewed. And they, the reporter, I think, after practice said, are you locked in? And Lamar Jackson said, yes, 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 I'm, I'm locked in. I'm, I'm locked in. And he was so locked in, he wasn't even listening to the reporter. Like, you can just see it's different. I think there's been such a – not that, you know, he, he – not that it's a killjoy or anything like that, but – I just don't think Lamar Jackson has really been satisfied at any given point this season, uh, only in fleeting moments of victory. But there has not been some big statement after whipping the 49ers or the Dolphins. I don't think he expects to be anywhere but where he is. I, I think this is the minimum, is that the Ravens are competing for the one seed. The years that he has stayed healthy, they have not lost more than five games. So... 2020, you know, that team that was very injured in, in points and discombobulated, they still get to the divisional round. So I think that's the other irony is that we're like, oh, the Ravens are, you know, the first round loser. Well, 
I haven't played in the first round uh, aside from from that 2020 year, really. So, uh, you know, when Lamar was a rookie, they fell short against the Chargers. And I think that gets lumped in there, too, into this whole narrative. When one of those games was a hodgepodge offense with Marty Warnenweg running a lot of Greg Roman stuff, and they saw the same opponent twice and fumbled three times in their own territory in the beginning of that game and then almost won. Uh, Lamar throws for two touchdowns in the second half, and the Ravens have the ball with a chance to win with 48 seconds left, and then a Chen Nuosu strip sacks him. So uh, I think that gets put in with, with all of these games. So I think we're seeing a much more motivated Lamar. I think the defensive leadership and tone of guys like Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton is night and day from what the post-Ray Lewis era was of Ravens defensive leadership. I, I don't think these guys are messing around. And like I said, they don't have a flaw. And I don't think that there is any spam that you can do to have them put up a clunker like they did against the bills in a 40 mile per hour win game when Tucker and Bass combined to miss four field goals or like what the Titans did just shooting every single gap flooding the middle of the field and then saying, Hey, these receivers can't catch the football. So I don't think there is a way that the Ravens lose in the divisional round. I, it is any given Sunday. It is football. Anything can happen. Injuries can happen. Sure. But in any normal relevancy or normal norm normalcy i think the ravens are able to get out of this one and host the afc championship for the first time in franchise history yeah i'm with you that 2018 game you got kenneth dixon disaster class and a michael crabtree second half master class <laughs> such a weird game so again i think narratives can be shifted just based off of very generic stats or box score stats and again that it doesn't tell the whole story but lamar jackson locked in this year 1000 percent sensor i appreciate you thanks so much for hopping on tell people where they can find you and what you're working on it's an exciting time right now in baltimore for sure you can check out the Jumbo Set and Exit 52 on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to have you on YouTube. We have a ton of content coming out, Orioles, Ravens, and you can check out some film content that I usually post on there as well. So you can find me at Ravens4Dummies on Twitter, and you can find the Exit 52 podcast on any socials and anywhere you get your podcast. And with that, having uh, been here in a while, good to be back with you, Kevin, and hopefully we see the Ravens go on a nice little run here and compete, look the part, and host an AFC championship at a minimum. I'm ready. Baltimore's ready for it too. So appreciate you, Spencer. Links to Spencer's work will be in the description below. That's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, round out the week, more Ravens content. Stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.